I really just wanted to say, I'm Batman. <laughs> Greetings, and welcome to the first episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm the primary author on the Superhero Ethics blog. And joining me today is Paul Christopher Hoppy, author and fellow superhero enthusiast. Paul, tell us who you are. Uh, what's up? I'm Paul Christopher Hoppy. I uh, play poker. I teach yoga and martial arts and write about a lot of different stuff, including poker, uh, yoga and martial arts, um, fiction, and uh, various other things. So, so why Batman? What, what draws you to the character? Well, I mean, he wears all black. That's that helps cool. with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say... I, I'm actually going to go on a, a little bit of a, a personal history tangent. Go for when it. When I was... Um, when I was like five, I was or four even, I was just a huge, huge Superman fan. Like I had the entire outfit, you know, with the cape, and I like wore it to school at some like you know the, my first day of like school orientation or whatever. Um, I had one of the village people's boyfriends was my barber, and you know made the the like little Superman curl the hair. Um, and my dad worked on a movie with Christopher Reeve and um, uh, loyal readers. I just want to let you know we're going to do everything we can to get a picture of this onto the blog. Go on. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's no photographic evidence of that uh, that I'm aware of. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and so I got to play volleyball with with Superman, you know, and and uh, it was super nice. And until I was about maybe. Then, then when I was eight, I like just started wearing all black. It was just the thing, I, uh-huh. and I, I honestly have no idea where it came from. It was just like, yep, this is what I'm going to do now. Um, but it was, it was really when the Tim Burton Batman movie came out that I yeah. started being like, hmm, I like this, you know. And, um, and then the next Batman movie was maybe not as good, but I was still into Batman. And then there was a little bit of a. <laughs> A fall from grace. <laughs> the, the, there were dark times that we will not speak of. We will simply right. move on. Dark times and brighter movies. Um, but, uh, you know, the animated series I liked. And I, I was never really that much of a, of a comics reader, actually. Yeah. But, um, you know, Batman was always... The thing that really appealed to me over superheroes, really, was that, like, he's just a guy. You know, he's just a human who sees a world that's really messed up and he's like, I'm a billionaire and so I'm going to do something about it because I can. Right. He doesn't have super strength or magic eyesight or any of those other kind of like God inspired or science given powers. To me, the thing that makes him most incredible is in the end, the biggest thing he has going for him is his mind. And he's Mm -hmm. able to, you know, whether it's technology or being an investigator or detective, you know. What he's able to do is just be so damn smart to figure out what he needs to do. Totally. And and that's that's really where I feel like the movies have kind of like let us down. Yeah. Um, in that like all the live action movies just have Batman as an action hero, right? Mm-hmm. Who wears a suit. And um, the a lot of the animated stuff much more and some of the comics, you know, I mean, it, it, Batman debuted in Detective Comics, right? Superman was Action Comics. Yeah. This is historically accurate, and and you know he's they they call him the world's greatest detective, or which is what they also call Sherlock Holmes. Like Batman's <laughs> basically Sherlock Holmes in a cape, like. Oh, <laughs> with absolutely. Gadgets. I mean, some some yeah. of the I I like you. I did not come to this through comic books. Um, I I had my my initiation in the na 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 TV show days, which is another right. sort of dark period we'll speak of a little bit i did watch that actually well when i was a kid and i really liked it in a go on no just that in in a totally different way but he was a detective he was like he absolutely was and i what what i was gonna say though is that my like like because i like you i haven't read many of the comics but when i've read about the comics my understanding is that they were originally very much in that you know detective noir kind of setting, right. you know, the, the, the kind of like yes. the Maltese Falcon, Dashiell Hammett kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. the, the, the guy, you know, and he had obviously, he's not a gumshoe necessarily, but he's very much in that same vein. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he wears disguises just like Sherlock Holmes, you know, he, he 
dodges bullets by hearing somebody pull the hammer back on a gun so he moves before it goes off. Uh-huh. Like, it's not a superpower, it's, it's intelligence, you know, and, and that's one thing that I think a, a lot of uh, Sherlock portrayals have done really well. And, you know, it, Batman's basically Sherlock Holmes as a little bit more of an action hero, right. really, in a lot of ways. Well, and, and one of the things that I noted, you know, uh, we mentioned that the, the the kind of the '60s TV show. The thing that I think of that more when I when I think of Batman from that time, you know, I think of the super cheesy villains and the the you know the puntastic dialogue. But that's to me the one where he always has the perfect implement on his utility belt. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. he has the shark repellent. He has everything he needs. Right. What I noticed, though, when I started watching the animated series, which I'll be honest, I didn't watch until the last year or so, but, but mm-hmm. Paul, you really got me into, it seems there's much less of that. You know, he has the, the batarangs, and he has the grappling hooks and the ropes and stuff like that, but it seems like that show is much less about he is so rich that he has all of these incredible toys and really does focus more on the detective angle. Yeah, no doubt. And then so does, I think, the... The Justice League series, which I find very interesting, which, you know, it comes out of the Batman animated series, really, and then you have that same character, that same spirit of the character around a whole bunch of, like, basically gods, right? right. I mean, everybody else just about has tremendous superpowers or has, you know, a magic item. Um, that gives them tremendous superpowers. And he's just a guy who's got, like, a few nifty tools on his belt you know, and but he's really clearly the the smartest out of them, yeah. and and often kind of saves them by outthinking, um, you know, their their opponents. What well, and what I love about that show, especially, and and this is obviously kind of ties into the the stuff that I love to talk about on my blog, is that it it seems a lot of the times he he's outthinking them, he but he's also helping like to stop the superheroes from their own natural instincts, you know? I mean, he's often the one who says, okay, Superman has all these powers, and that's great, but what if Superman turns bad? Right. Or when the when they're first starting the Justice League, you know, he's the one pointing out... He, he's almost sort of the person speaking up for, for everybody else on Earth, saying, wait a minute, I'm not sure if we can really trust you with all, all these powers and stuff like that. Yeah. he He's sort of the check and balance on their... You know what could be the Justice Lords, basically. Yeah, you know exactly. Um, and like he's he's the guy who has Kryptonite just in case, right? You know, <laughs> I I mean it, it's sort of an interesting question because it, it makes you sort of think where would Bat you know if wormhole to make all the comic book fans happy, all of a sudden Batman winds up in the Marvel universe. Where is he <laughs> on Team uh, Team Tony versus Team Cap? Because on the one hand, I mean he is such a rugged and you know he's such a like you yeah. know firm individualist, he's going to do it his way, he's not going to let anyone tell him what to do, but he also, like, so I, th- I think he's probably going to be more on Team Cap, but he totally. does have some of that, you know, I don't trust you all with these powers, I want someone looking out for everyone, that yeah. that that Tony does. Yeah, and I, I think he's just like, look, let me be that guy instead of the right. US government or the UN, because I don't trust them either. Right. You know? Because especially in... You know, I mean, in Gotham, like, whatever anybody does or doesn't trust real-world governments, like, Gotham is a caricature yeah. of all the worst we think of, 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 you know, what government corruption can be. Uh-huh. And so he exists in that world. And, you know, to an extent, of course, the, the, the Marvel world is somewhat like that, too. Um, but it's... I, I, I definitely think he would be... He sees Team Tony's point, but is just like, no, I'll, I'll, I got it, right. you know. <laughs> well, I think that's I, um, I know you and I have talked about this before. For me, there's so much of the Batman canon that I love, but my absolute favorite is the second of the Christopher Nolan movies, The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, I think the the there's a lot of it that's great. There's a lot of it that's not so good. The the Heath Ledger Joker is just probably second in my mind second only to to mark hamill mm, although we discuss uh um uh, jack nicholson as well but but to me what i love about that movie more than anything else are the conversations between batman um uh gordon and harvey dent before he becomes two-face um about you know what how do we how do we deal with criminals 
both the, the sort of quote-unquote normal kind and then the, you know, off-the-deep-end kind of Joker in a world where we can't trust the police, in a world right. where judges can be killed so easily. Um, and I think that's such a, to me, what I love about Batman is, is the way he raises those questions about, okay, well, what, what does it mean to have to break the law in order to, to, to fight criminals, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think... I think that kind of backdoors us into a. Um, I'm using that as a poker expression, <laughs> not a, <laughs> in other any other ways that you might be uh, thinking of it, but um, or like maybe a hacking expression. Okay. But uh, to to the sort of like Batman and violence and yep. like killing people, where you know Punisher kind of exists in a very similar um, sort of place, right? right? Where where he doesn't trust the government, and I think in many cases, rightly so, to be able to do anything about the things that he wants to do stuff about. And so he just goes around killing a ton of people, which obviously Batman doesn't do, unless Zack Snyder's writing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I i mean, personally, like, I love Dexter. I, I really loved Punisher in, in uh, Daredevil Season 2. Yeah. I hadn't been that big a fan of the character previously i mean I, i'm not of the like you know killing is the only solution school of thought i'm also not really of the like killing is fundamentally wrong and you should never do that um school of thought i i do though really appreciate batman being a character is just like no that's not how i'm going to do things right you know and that he has his you know code basically that he just made up himself he just decided that you know because Obviously, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to follow the law all the time because, you know, I mean, he's he's a vigilante, right? right. And he, he goes around and does stuff. And there comes a time when Commissioner Gordon, when Gordon is commissioner, he's just like, yeah, okay, that's how we do things. You know, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> like not in the Dark Knight trilogy um, in, you know, but in like the old TV show, right? right. In the Adam West show. It's just like, yeah, Batman's basically like a cop who... Yeah, he, he's basically is, been deputized. Right, exactly. And... He, you know, the thing is, he has all those tools instead of guns, basically as a means of non-lethally subduing his his adversaries. Right. Right. Which I mean, I think is great, and that's that's a whole thing that you know I'd like to see more of that in the real world. Maybe not with shark repellent and whatnot on utility belts, but um, but you know, at the same time, like we also have to just accept, like, look, Batman exists in a fictional world in a comic book world where comic book violence, you know, you can kick someone as hard as you want and they're just not going to die. Right. I mean, right? I think that we, we, I, I, I've talked about You've that in other about settings, it. but I, I definitely think that is, you know, with, with, especially with the new Daredevil TV show with a lot yeah. of the Marvel movies, but also with Batman, there is kind of a conceit of we're imagining that you can hit someone in the head with a metal rod, but it's not lethal, you know? Um, right. I just it's, made quote marks, which none of you yes, are aware I, of. Yes, I heard them. But I okay, them. good. But but I but I think I think you're right. I think that if if we accept that comic book conceit world, it is such an important part of the character that he doesn't want to kill. You know that he wants to right. subdue people. He wants to put them in Arkham, even though we've learned that. I mean, has any criminal ever stayed in Arkham for more than a year? Right. <laughs> it seems like it's basically got a revolving door. Uh, yeah, I think Joker was there for three years. Once, yeah. <laughs> but then he clearly escaped. Um, but but to me, it raises a really interesting question of because, it, especially when you say um, Batman versus Punisher, but I think also even some of the people who Batman has has seen in his own world, uh, like the Phantasm in the, mm-hmm. the Mask of the Phantasm movie. Right. I feel like often, the, or also Ra's al Ghul, as sometimes is portrayed. One of the things Ace. that's often right, thank you. <laughs> we can argue about the pronunciation of a made up name. Um, although actually it is based in Arabic, so uh, probably there is a right pronunciation. But either way, the, yes. the point being, um, I think one of the most interesting foils that's often set up to Batman is the person who who thinks they are doing the same work as Batman, who is wanting to be an ally of Batman, who is saying, Hey, I'm just like you, I'm fighting criminals. Right, but where Batman actually says no because of that line that I won't cross and you will, that we're not allies. Um, right, and I think that's often one of the one of the ways that that's most emphasized of just how important this is to him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 
that I mean that comes up actually in in Civil War in the comics where where I mean again going back to to Punisher and how he's not Batman and right. which side Batman would be on like um he where where he's like okay I'm gonna help you Cap and you know Steve's like uh okay you know and then he just like shoots some bad guys and they're yep. like no <laughs> no you can't stay here that's not you know? how we do and, things and yeah and I mean Batman's definitely he's like I mean I think Batman's a lot more like Captain America than which is you know it's funny because like if you put like Superman and Batman next to each other and you put like Captain America and um you know, maybe Wolverine or something. It's right. like, you know, Batman and Wolverine both have more of the, you know, and like, and like Batman and Tony Stark have obvious parallels, right? right? And Captain uh, America and Superman are the Boy Scouts. Right. Though, like, on some level, I feel like Batman and Captain America are a little more similar in terms of, like, what, you know, what they're really willing to do in, in certain ways. I mean, Superman is like that too. Right. Although I feel like the sort of the level of power he has, like, I don't know. It, like it, the end of man of steel bothered me. Cause I was like, I was like, what's going on, you know, with this. But, um, but I, I do think Superman has, he has this kind of authoritarian, um, Nature. It's very patriarchal. Know? It's very like I know best, and I have the power to enforce what is best, and so I'm going to do that. Yeah, exactly. And and so in in that, you know that um, the just so in the in the Justice League season three, I guess there's the whole Cadmus arc, right? And you know there's in the. Do you, do you in, want to take a there, quick minute and explain what that is for people who haven't seen it? Sure. Okay. So basically. It's. I mean, it's kind of like the the whole Marvel Civil War thing, where you know, um, there's there's a bunch of superheroes going around. You know, the Justice League, who are basically sort of like the Avengers, although they came first. But <laughs> go, you know, going around doing good stuff, saving the planet from alien invasions all right. the time. You know, um, but in some alternate reality, they you know became. Um, super authoritarian, you know, um, kind of like fascist overlords, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in in that world, I think Superman was kind of the the pinnacle of that. Like we are the, we are the rulers who are going to take everyone's freedom so that everybody's safe all the time. Right. Um, and so the the Cadmus arc is back on like Earth One or whatever the you know the the reality the timeline that the series is following, and the government's basically just like, so yeah we need we need a plan in case they you know turn against us and and there are things in the other series that led up to Justice League that give them even more reason to really think like yeah that could happen, and um, so you know they basically plot to bring down the justice league or to have a counter to it and you know superman's just like well i would never do that and batman's like like do we know that yeah. you know like <laughs> they're you know he's like they're right to be afraid of us and so i think he very much plays that kind of sees both sides of the argument that like look we can know that we're like good and we're gonna do the right thing and blah 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 blah, blah but you know there's no reason that anyone else should trust us right implicitly the same way we shouldn't trust the government implicitly to necessarily be able to regulate us properly it's you know um i mean ultimately it's like there's power people can have it groups can have it or you know aliens can have it or whatever (laughs) and aliens are a group right and and so having some kind of well except for like you know moving on moving on moving (laughs) but um the you know the 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 main point just being that like if you have power kind of diffused among different groups then if one group really gets out of line another group can step up and be like okay hold on like let's not do that you know right well uh, i think that that's it's again one of the other things i love about batman is his ability to sort of step outside himself and have that mm-hmm. not not in a but, but just kind of like to look at his own motivations and to ask him, you know, to be able to say, 
I think this is right because of my own prejudices and biases, but is it possible that I'm wrong? You know, and he's constantly making other people do the same thing. Like, okay, Superman, you think this is right, but but let's step back a second. What are you missing? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I mostly agree with that. I kind of think Batman thinks he's always right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but but I think he recognizes or said, you know, that he might not be in the future. That like mind control exists, you know, right. and that that he shouldn't like have all of the power himself that you know um so i mean i i mostly agree with you except like he's pretty cocky yeah I mean, well it's just sort of like you know as he's going through the decision making process he's he's open to that once he comes to a decision it's pretty solid right exactly um, and i do think it's interesting that and granted different versions of this have shown this in different ways but but to me the person he almost always uses as a little bit of that to hold him accountable and to sort of help to, to sort of help him with his thinking process and sometimes to point out where he might be stepping a little wrong is Alfred. You know, yeah. he always talks and part of that is just a narrative technique. You know, having him explain his thoughts to Alfred works a lot better than an internal monologue. But I also think it, it, it gives a little bit of that, you know, Al- Alfred is able to sort of poke him a little bit and say, hey, wait a minute, Batman, are you going a little bit too much this way? Are you, or, or is this happening or that happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's definitely true, um, and that I mean Alfred's kind of like his Watson. Yeah. Um, and until Robin is his Watson, you know. Right. Um, or Batgirl or Terry, um, in Batman Beyond, where, um, I mean, it, I I always when Batman and Robin, well, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin came out, I was like, oh, I hate Robin. Like <laughs> Batman should be alone. You know, but like. <laughs> You know, I mean, even then, there was always Alfred. You know, he's never really alone. Um, and then, you know, then there's Lucius Fox as well. Because um, it's like, where does he get all those toys? Right. You know? Like, that was something that I think they did, they they were smart about in Batman Begins. Just being like, okay, we, we need people to believe that he <laughs> could. Because, I mean, you know, it's like, I did always wonder, like, who built the Batcave? <laughs> right, well, because they... And it's like, funny because as much as they play up that he is this brilliant, brilliant person, it's always Batman, the world's greatest detective. It's never Batman, the world's greatest inventor, you know? Right, and right, he right. does he does come up with some... Some of the technology is obviously of his own creation, but I think there's always an aspect of which he's smart enough to rely on others for help with some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And but I mean also it's like you just can't fabricate all of that stuff in I mean the like you you need crews, yeah. you know. <laughs> you, you need people to put things together and and so I mean that's where kind of some of the suspension of disbelief, you know, sort of it's like well, if there's construction involved in building the bat cave, then some people you know, there's some like union people or not <laughs> who are like You know, oh, there, yeah, there's you only know. one episode I've ever seen of any bat story that covers this but but it, it does and it's be, because of that fact alone it's one of my favorite where is I, it I believe it's an episode of the animated series mm-hmm. but where um, you see Batman take the Batmobile to his mechanic <laughs> and there's a mechanic who clearly like has a good relationship with Batman right and fixes the Batmobile right right and Pe- uh, Penguin figures this out and I think I think I think it's Penguin kidnaps the mechanic and tries to like get the mechanic to give that information um, but it's so brilliant you know because it's like yeah the Batmobile is amazing but yeah. someone's still got to change the oil and check the tires and check the spark plugs right right um, so I just yeah I, I loved that little bit um, but this is actually a good thing to talk about because it, it, it certainly has come up in um, The Killing Joke one of the things we uh, both saw most recently mm-hmm. but also I think comes up in a lot of uh, uh, other stuff is Batman's relationships with other people, um, <laughs> which it, and, and what here, relationships? Yeah, exactly. Well, and here we should distinguish a little bit between, you know, uh, 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 there's a comment I made to you a while ago that I actually got from uh, some wonderful people on the DC On Screen podcast, which I would also highly recommend. Um, but one of the guys on that podcast says that like Tony Stark wears the Iron Man suit, Batman wears the Bruce Wayne suit. 
You know, that, yeah. that Batman is the... Bruce Wayne is not the core identity and he becomes Batman. Batman is the core identity and he becomes Bruce Wayne. So I can even put aside, like, you know, Bruce Wayne has, you know, is a womanizer and does all these things to, to keep up the act and you can morally right. question it if you want and I, I, I would, but, but that's another story. But just looking at Batman and his relationship with other people, um, other than Alfred, is it fair to say he's kind of a dick? <laughs> I mean, even with Alfred, he's a dick, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, there's tons of, if you, I mean, as a kid on Gotham, as, yeah. you know, an, an adult with, like, I mean, in the, what, Dark Knight Rises, I guess, you know, he's he's kind of a dick to Alfred, and I think in the in Batman Begins, isn't there, they have some, you know, they, they fight, they argue, yeah. um, it, and it depends on the continuity, basically. Sometimes Alfred is like, I'm just the butler, whatever you say, sir, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, Alfred at the very least is sort of a, I mean, I would say he's kind of like a mother figure Yeah. to, to, to Bruce and to, you know, where like his money is kind of like the stereotypical father figure. Pretty much. Um, you know, not to say that those are what gender roles should be, but like when Batman was created, like that's kind of how, how most people I think saw things. And, um, you know, I think... So there's a certain sort of deference that he has to Alfred that, you know, I mean, Alfred has that, like, servant deference to Master Bruce. But, like, but at, at the same time, it's like Alfred's older, you know, and he's known Bruce since he was a kid. Yeah. Whereas pretty much all of the other relationships that, like, Batman, well, I mean, all of the other relationships that Batman has with anybody really became, be, uh, be, began after he was Batman. Right. And, like, once he becomes Batman, he pretty much just thinks he knows everything. You know, um, all of the other people he works with tend to be, you know, sidekicks, yeah. really. Like, they're not partners. They're sidekicks. I, I, um, I do think it's interesting that the only two I can think of that are established in some, not all continuities, but at least in some continuities, as having been friends with Bruce Wayne yeah. um, is Harvey Dent, who becomes yeah. Two-Face, and... Um, his cop friend from the newest season, who I, I can't remember the name of, but who becomes Clayface. Um, his cop friend? Yeah, isn't he? A, isn't the guy who becomes Clayface a cop? Um, I'm maybe somewhere, but generally he's an actor. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, that's right, because uh, you haven't seen the Batman. No, I, I've, I, I haven't seen all of the Batman. Okay, I'm gonna look it up now. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a cop. But either way, it's the implication is that they Boiler went. To, alert! No. That, uh. <laughs> They went to high school together. They went. Right. To, they actually played basketball together. Yeah. They were good friends, and then he turns into Clayface. But yeah, yeah other I, than those two, there's never any mention of Bruce Wayne's well, friends. No, there's there's Hush, um, uh, who's actually uh, another basically another rich kid that Bruce Wayne grew up with, and some horrible stuff happens, and he becomes a, a supervillain. Um, Ethan Bennett, who is a Gotham City police detective. In, in the Batman. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's a different... I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a very different Clayface origin story. Um, but, but yeah, so there's there's very few, you know, characters that are like... I mean, they, they had the Rachel Dawes character, basically, and, right. you know, where Harvey Dent wasn't friends with Bruce Wayne, really. Yeah. Like, they knew each other, right? Um, but the whole Rachel character in The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, which... I'm not really a big fan of. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a whole other thing we can get into, but just of all the things I love about the Christopher Nolan movies, the the the, the role that romance plays in Batman's life in those movies yeah. seems totally... In, in part because I, I kind of think of Batman as like the warrior monk, you know? Yeah. He's kind yeah. of... And, and, and I guess that's sort of what I was going at with the original question is, I, I sort of feel like on some level... You know, he's skip every other superhero. You see all of this. Oh, I love her, but I can't love her because I'm a superhero. You know, Batman is just like, nope, not gonna love anybody. I'm a hero. This is what I got to do. Yeah, um, yeah. And and, and I, I I sort of feel like that that there there are great stories told about Batgirl and Robin and all the rest of them. But one of the counters to those stories is that those relationships are never terribly fulfilling for the other person because Batman, on some level, is always treating them like a sidekick yeah I mean it's always all about work 
and yeah. he's always the one in charge. Yeah. You know, and um, and you know that's why Dick Grayson leaves and becomes Nightwing is like you know what I'm gonna do my own thing. Like right. we can st- and in some continuities like they're still friends and they cooperate and um, in other continuities he's like oh Bruce Wayne <laughs> like you know just <laughs> well, like and, and um, I wonder here's something I never actually thought of but but just as we're talking about it, it occurs to me you know we talked before about how Batman is doesn't like the idea of trusting someone else's authority just because you're supposed to, you know? Right. We're not going to trust the government just because they're the government. We're not going to trust yeah. Superman just because he's Superman. But the flip side of it, he is sort of asking, you know, the rest of the Bat team to trust him just because he's Batman. Right. And I'm wondering, and I, I, I've not read any of the Nightwing stories or seen the show, so I don't know, but do you think on is there some level of him being, you know, annoyed at Dick Grayson for leaving but also having kind of a grudging admiration because it, it seems like Dick is doing exactly what Batman would have told him to do, which is saying, don't trust someone's authority just because they're Batman. Uh, Am I projecting here? <laughs> yes. I mean, I've never had that thought and I've never really seen it. Okay. You know, um, I do think that he... I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so many different continuities. There's... Um, there's a Young Justice series which has Batman and Robin's a kid, and then then there's a different Robin in the second season, and and the younger <laughs> and you know Dick is 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 Nightwing now, and it's and it's kind of interesting, you know, uh-huh. and um it's and they're all there, you know, and and um you know they get along, uh, but then there's other continuities where like Nightwing. We're like Bruce and Dick haven't seen each other for decades, you know. Oh, interesting. Um, and I mean, if if you watch the you know Batman Beyond, I yeah. think Batman Beyond was actually the first show that made me think Robin was like a good idea. Mm. You know, since like I mean, since watching the uh, the Adam West, um, <laughs> you know, Burt. Um, Batman, you know, the Batman show then, where it's like, that's just a totally different paradigm, right. you know, but in terms of, like, serious Batman, Batman Beyond's the first time that I was like, this works, and part of it's because in Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne is, like, somewhere between 80 and 100, right. you know? I think someone. it's unclear just how old he is, but, yeah, I mean, he just literally can no longer be Batman, you know, anymore, from a, from a physical standpoint, so having someone else do all that physical stuff suddenly you know now it's like it makes sense in a way that it it didn't exactly the same way before um but so the the relationship between bruce and terry you know old batman and new batman basically Uh is it's different than it ever is between batman and robin because terry isn't robin he's batman you know and and so there's a there's a sense there that it's it's a very it's a different thing than when he was like training all these robins but it sheds light on kind of the mentor relationship and sort of who is bruce wayne outside of or who is batman outside of the you know the bat suit basically you know um and so i think that's really interesting there um and then it also kind of it it sort of just illuminates all those other relationships earlier where, you know, I mean, at, at, in some of the comics, Dick Grayson is Batman. You know, he yeah. actually does wear the bat suit and in, in other continuities that maybe never happens, but that, you know, Bruce Wayne, sometimes he disappears or something happens or he's injured. Right. Someone's got to take over for him. Yeah. There's one thing somewhere where, <laughs> where Superman wears the bat suit. <laughs> Batman's missing. It's hilarious. It's <laughs> I would love to read that. Yeah, well, well, it's actually it's a it's an animated thing, and, that and I think that that's, you'll eventually see. I, one of the things that I love about the Batman, uh, which just to be clear, that's a, that's a, the specific the name show. of a show. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a little confusing because if you just say the Batman, people yeah. don't realize you're talking about one specific medium. Right. But one of the things I like about it is, by the later seasons, both Batgirl and Robin are part of his team. Right. And they come to him for very different reasons. You know, Batgirl as the daughter of Gordon, you know, and she's this gymnast student, so she's got all this talent already. 
and and she sort of has her origin story that makes her want to be a part of his team and she comes and petitions him for it right whereas with robin we get the i think pretty traditional you know dick grayson story of he has an experience very similar to bruce wayne's his parents are killed by criminals when he's quite young and he has a lot of the same feelings that that bruce did at that time and and that and that probably has highlighted some others, but I think Batman, uh, the Batman does one of the best jobs I've seen of really emphasizing how much Batman doesn't decide, I want a sidekick, this guy Dick might sort of work. He sees Dick, like, really wrestling with what he wrestled with, realizes that becoming Batman was what pulled him out of that, and sort of wants to offer Dick Grayson the chance to be Robin for the same reason. Mm. Um, and and I I really like that that emphasis because it, it's a lot of Batman being like you know he's already spent a season telling Batgirl I don't want a sidekick you're just getting in the way and now he's feeling the same thing about having two potential sidekicks right but he also thinks that this is really good for Dick Grayson right um, and it 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 winds up being a really interesting tension between the three of them of what how these two different people became sidekicks for very different reasons yeah. That's interesting. That's um, that's very, kind of almost the opposite of. I think it's in Young Justice where um, where they show Robin's backstory and sort of how he became Robin and why he became Robin and um, it. I think I think that's in a continuity where like Batman never knows or catches who killed his parents. Yeah. Which I prefer. Yeah. You know, um, and I know we've talked about on Gotham, like how much there's going to be with that. And I know in, you know, in Batman Begins, they had like Joe Chill, I think yeah. they, you know, and then something very definitive happens, you know. And I, I kind of like the idea that like one of the reasons, you know, Bruce is the way he is, is that that's just this open, it's like it's an open wound, you know. Yes. And, and wearing the bat suit is almost like the thing he does to like bandage it every day. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not this just closed, okay, well I've dealt with that chapter in my life and now I'm moving on. It's like he's always that eight year old boy whose parents just got shot. You know, he's Oh yeah. And and so, you know, while he can sometimes have a sense of humor, he's just very consistently like He's in, like, perma-brood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and I think that also what you said... Oh, go ahead. Well, just that in in that series, they show Dick Grayson and how his parents were killed and how I think Batman and him, like, basically caught them quickly. And then that was, like, dealt with and that was resolved. And so Robin kind of only had the same similar kind of tragedy in his backstory. He gets the catharsis he, that Batman never does. Yeah, and and the closure and the and he's he's like jo- making jokes all the time, you know? Yeah. He's this very like kind of almost like a little Peter Parkerish, but like maybe a little cooler, you know? Um, <laughs> and and so that difference between like Dick and Bruce, I I think I like a lot, yeah. you know. No, I can see that. Well, and that gets me into actually something I want to ask, going way back to a topic we talked about near the beginning, which is I, I'm like you. I, I don't want Batman to know who killed his parents. Um, and, and I, because I, to me, I think part of what it emphasizes is, and I think this is part of what sets him apart from those other vigilantes who cross the lines he won't cross, is that for him, this isn't about vengeance. Right. It's not, you know, Punisher, yeah. especially in daredevil season two but also in other things people killed his family and now the punisher wants to hurt the people who killed his family and everybody like them you know and yeah. it's he he wants to sort of prevent other people from being hurt the way he was but there's a, a strong aspect of a personal vendetta yeah um, he's all like hello my name is frank castle yeah you exactly my daughter <laughs> prepare to die yeah exactly he's an Engel montoya um exactly whereas um uh, with guns. <laughs> yeah, which, which is funny because when you started going to the um, accent, I thought you were going to say he's Desperado, which is another oh, story that of, too. 
I mean, yeah, right after Vigilante, who's yeah, right after seeing uh, <laughs> Punisher, Punisher season one, uh, Daredevil season two, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is Desperado. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, and the other yeah. one specific in the Batman universe though is the Phantasm. Um, right. You know, she is trying to be a Batman-like character, but her specific focus is to kill the people who hurt her father. Um, right. And her family, and I, I think that's such an interesting way of seeing Batman. Is, you know, for him, I, I, would you agree that for him, it's not about vengeance. It's not about he, totally. It, it's that open wound, but it's not about I'm so angry. I want to get the people who who got my parents. Yeah, I mean, that's his emotional motivation, but his real motivation is just he sees the world. He doesn't like the way it is. He wants to change it. Yeah. And so he works to change it. You know. Yeah, and I think that's a great way of saying it. And he saw just how bad the world can be when his par- parents died. Yeah. But that's not it's not the it's not the vengeance. It's the I don't want to live in a world where good people like the Waynes can be shot outside of an opera. Yeah, and I, I would actually just remove the word good. Yeah, no, that's true it's, too. <laughs> and because I mean when cuz he doesn't want to kill bad people either, you yeah. know. He, because those people have kids, you know. Yeah. It's like he or people who know them or whatever. He he just doesn't want to live in a world where people are getting killed all the time. So he goes around and he tries to stop people from killing other people, but he doesn't do it by killing those people. I mean, two of no. my favorite uh, episodes from the animated series are one where um, what what's the Croc's name? He's just K- Killer, Killer Croc. Croc. Thank you. Yeah. Where he gets mixed up in like. The home for uh, lost circus per- circus performers. Right. Do you remember this episode? No. Okay. Well, it it's really adorable and like there's a, a you know a, a, a he he basically hangs out with this home for I don't know a better word but it's the word that gets used mm-hmm. pejoratively against them but circus freaks and right, they right, all right. kind of take Ooh, in Killer Croc does yeah and they all sort yeah. of welcome Killer Croc as one of them right um, right. Does he eat them? No, he he winds okay, up ste- he winds up stealing it from them somewhat. Um, okay. But obviously, he's having some kind of like moral dilemma about it, as much as he can in what is not the world's greatest intellect in the uh, right. bat uh, bat rogue gallery. But but when Batman catches him, Batman is clearly sympathetic to that. Yeah. Um, and similarly, there's an episode where I think it's one of the episodes where Harley Quinn breaks away from Joker and kind of recognizes that she's in this abusive relationship with Joker goes off on her own and with Poison Ivy commits some crimes and I, I forget the exact detail but but Batman like as he's taking her into jail he's clearly sympathetic to what she's gone through and I, I think there's something like she stole a dress and he get he, he winds up buying her that dress or something. Do you, uh-huh. do, do you remember what I'm talking about? No. Okay. But and, I, I know the sort of thing you're talking about. Yeah and it's it's it ha- it's not just those two things. It happens in other places. But, but it's, to me, a wonderful message where Batman is sort of saying, okay, people like Harley Quinn, like Killer Croc, like the Joker, who we'll, we'll definitely talk about in a minute, yeah. are, are dangerous, and I need to protect other people from them. But they're not, they're not evil in a way that, like, I should feel great about myself just for hurting them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think on a fundamental level, I think Batman believes in restorative justice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, rather than retri- retributive justice. Um, and he just... I'm not sure whether the writers, like, really lean into that so hard. Uh-huh. You know, or whether he'd necessarily put it that way. But, like, I just think it's definitely true, you know? Oh, definitely. Um He's not. He's not like you have to pay for doing this bad thing that's hurt someone. Yeah. He's like, I have to stop you from doing these bad things that are hurting people, and then I want to try to help you get to a point where you're not trying to do that anymore. And I I think, to me, a I think that that's pretty revolutionary when you think about it, because there is so much in our media that, that that sort of likes to emphasize the idea of. It's great to watch our heroes beat up bad guys. Right, yeah. Um, and, and, and to me, I think, let's get into the not my Batman, you know. Right. What, when you think about the things that are not, that don't match what you think Batman should be, I, I, I'm guessing this is the same for you, but for me, near the top of the list is when I see Batman relishing hurting bad guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. It it's yeah, that's very hashtag not my Batman. Uh-huh. You know. Um I mean and it's it's okay, so so Daredevil and Batman, I think there's a lot of kind of common ground there. Yep. You know, in a lot of ways. Um but the the Daredevil sort of like, you know, let the devil out kind of thing where yep. he's like beating people with his hands and He's like really into it, you know. It's oh, yeah. like he kind of loses himself in it. To and... me, one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking to the priest, and yeah. he says that what he's a... and he recognizes this isn't good, but he says what I'm afraid of is that I enjoy I enjoy hurting them, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I mean, I think he does. Like yeah. he doesn't want to. He feels guilt about enjoying it because you know he's Catholic, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but he, you know, he. He definitely has that sort of love-hate relationship with with beating up bad guys, you know, that, um, you know, and it's not that I don't think Batman never um, is anywhere near that abyss, sort of, but he's seen it, you know, and not blinked and been like, all right, well, that's that's not me. That's not who I want to be. And then that's not who he is because he's got, you know, pretty ridiculous self-control. I mean, there's so many ways in which, you know, I've talked at length and I will probably hopefully do a, uh, another discussion about just just the TV show Gotham. Um, and there's some things I think it gets very right about Batman, some not. And somewhere I can say, well, this is young Bruce Wayne. He hasn't become Batman yet. Yeah. But to me, the scene where, and spoiler warning, but the scene where he gets the chance to shoot the pe- the person who killed his parents right in cold blood you know it wouldn't yeah. be self-defense it would just be he's yeah. sitting there harmless giving bruce the chance to shoot him and bruce doesn't yeah yeah and that to me is like as much as anything that's the moment he becomes batman you yes, know very uh, much so when he's just like that's not what i want to do in this world you know yeah uh, well, so so let's use this as a jumping-off point. What what else what else are you seeing out there that T is not your Batman? Um, <laughs> Zack Snyder might have made a movie. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole question of uh, who's worse, Snyder Snyder or Schumacher. Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, for, uh, for any who don't know, uh, Zack Snyder is the guy who directed uh, the most recent Batman vs Superman, as well as Man of Steel. And Joel Schumacher did the um, second two of the. It's not a trilogy. What's a four part? A quadrilogy? But the the four. The, the, he did the third and fourth Batman movies in the original, you know, four movies of Batman. Basically, right. the the two that came before the, the Batman Begins and the, the yeah. other Dark. Batman Knight Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah. So so who got Batman worse, Snyder yeah. or Schumacher? I'm actually going to go with Schumacher, even though I dislike Snyder's Batman more. Uh-huh. And here's why. In the 1990s... Okay, I'm going to actually just more broadly say that I think what Schumacher did was worse. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> because in, in the 1990s, like, the only real Batman pop fic, you know, popular fiction stuff was... The, the Batman I mean there was the Batman the animated series that's true um, good point self but um <laughs> <laughs> but they were kind of like they were way at the forefront right of like and they were it kind of felt like they were presenting this is who Batman is you know uh-huh. um, whereas and also I mean like what other comic book stuff was there there was blade you know right um, but there there was very little comic book stuff. And it kind of killed comic book stuff for, like, a little while. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know? it, I feel like the, the X-Men and Spider-Man movies kind of re, re, rebirthed them. Uh, but that yeah. was only, like, that was in the 2000s, you know? That yeah, yeah, yeah. That Schumacher, was the next millennia. Yeah, Schumacher uh, <laughs> killed the, the comic book movie. Yeah, so so that, I feel like that's a bigger offense in some <laughs> ways, you know? Um, even though those that version of Batman was really just he really just wanted to go back to the Adam West Batman. Right. You know, which and I actually found like a kind of new sympathy for that recently uh-huh. where 
like finding out that Schumacher was, I think, um, one of the few openly gay uh, Hollywood executives uh-huh. at the time, and that the Adam West Batman show was this kind of like there had there was this kind of like gay like pride thing in it. Oh yeah, I mean it's incredible camp. Right? It's incredible. Yeah, the the homoeroticism between Batman uh, and Robin. Batman and Robin, which is highly problematic. Um, <laughs> Although it's like, I guess Burt Ward was an adult. Right. You know, I mean, he was 20-something when that show was made. And Chris O'Donnell, McDonnell, O'Donnell? Chris O'Donnell, yeah. Chris O'Donnell was, you know, I mean, he was an adult. He wasn't like a young teen. And like, you know, then we can get into, you know, off the rails into like ancient Greek, like whatever, you know. And you can argue philosophy (laughs) and ethics and ad nauseum there and that's you know that's a rabbit hole that's maybe for another day but the the point being that um putting them in this context you know yeah after also looking for nightwing shirts and seeing that there are a whole bunch of i heart dick shirts for nightwing (laughs) which (laughs) i was like wow yeah okay (laughs) but no i think you're right i think that there's definitely like to me schumacher's batman is not my batman Right. But it's not it, – it's a campy Batman, you know? I mean like – Exactly. To me, what's wrong with a Schumacher – it's not – Schumacher's movies are not my Batman. It's that's not my Mr. Freeze. I mean <laughs> that's the big yeah. – like, Yeah, there's that. Um, yeah. I mean th- – yeah, there's something to be said for the fact that Batman and Robin is just a truly terrible movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, in, in a way that I, I think Batman vs. Superman is not a truly terrible movie. Yeah. I think it's mediocre. I think, you know, it's visually – okay in some ways you know and kind of cool in some I, ways and I, I feel you know like, the, go ahead oh just like it's well executed you know batman vs robin was just like what are you doing right. you know and well, and, and, and batman and batman vs superman is just like that's not the movie i want to see with batman in it and, and i feel like that's to, to kind of going to your point like i never took the adam west batman that seriously as batman right. because to me it's camp it's almost yeah. To me, that's a TV show made to be a satire of the comic book genre, and it's at times a pretty funny one. And, you know, once George Clooney puts on a Batman suit that has nipples, this tells me this is not the dark, brooding detective wrestling with the death of his parents. This is a guy with a superhero suit with nipples. So let's just laugh along and enjoy it. Um, Yeah. And um, if it were funny, like... I mean, and this this takes us to like where we are now, which is why I don't think Batman vs Superman was as bad as those other Batman movies. Is like, I mean, I hated it, right? You know, it. I watched it and I was like, why? Why? Yeah. You know, but at the same time, while I hated it, I was also like, well, the Killing Joke is coming out a couple months later. Right. You know, there's Batman in a Suicide Squad movie later this year. There's a Batman solo film coming out in a couple years. And, like, the, and don't forget the most important. Well, and the Batman Lego movie. Exactly. <laughs> is basically the Joel Schumacher movies, except really funny, yeah. it looks like. You know, and in a, in, a, in a context where there are other Batmans who are more like Batmans that I like. You know, I mean, you right. have Gotham. You have... Um, you have tons of animated things coming out regularly and and there's also more access to all of these things so the Schumacher movies to me were like no this is Batman and this is you know deal with it you know whereas now I'm like the Zack Snyder movie I I get to watch and be like eh not my Batman I'll go watch some other Batman stuff because there's just so much of it right Um, so that's why I just feel like it wasn't as bad a thing even though it was terrible <laughs> not as a movie but as a Batman no and I get that and I think that's to me and I, I want to hear you t- say more about why Snyder was not your Batman but but to me the one thing I want to add to that is I think for me once I see some of the Val Kilmer Batman but especially the George Clooney Batman once I see just how ridiculously campy it is I, I'm no longer even expe- of course it's not my Batman you know right and I'm not expecting it to yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting it to be a satire of Batman, and hopefully a good one. It just didn't happen to be a good one. Right. Um, but clearly, Zack Snyder was trying again with Batfleck to be the defining picture of what Batman is. Yes. And I think that's the thing is, 
he asked us to hold it to a much higher standard than Schumacher did. And I think it just didn't meet that standard. I, I know you feel the same. So so let's get into that. This will be the, the this, and then I want to talk about Joker, and then we'll wrap up. But so to you, how, why is Snyder's Batman not your Batman? I mean, because he's just going around killing people. <laughs> like, whatever, right. I'm killing people, you know. And there, there's a way that you he could have made that work you know i mean that's not where i want to see batman really uh-huh um and i was actually going to make a jason bourne reference earlier and the jason <laughs> bourne movie actually has a lot of parallels to the zach the new one jason bourne uh-huh. has a lot of parallels to the zach snyder batman um but you know it's implied or you know we know that joker has killed a robin right, right. before um before that, before Batman vs Superman happened, um, but he doesn't show us. Instead, he shows us, you know, Bruce Wayne's origin story for the thousandth time. Right. Like we don't need to see that. When I saw that in the preview, that was when I first got really concerned. Yeah. Because like first when I heard that Bat- Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like Which, why? I what? have to say, he I think fine. I think Bat- Ben Affleck was actually a very good Batman. It was just yeah, a terrible I- written part for him. Yeah, I think he was totally fine. I mean, not my first choice. You know, I'd still go with Carl Urban or Idris Elba over... Um, I love Idris oh. Elba as Batman. That'd be yeah, amazing. Yeah, so good. And he, he'd be really good as Bruce Wayne, too. Yes. You know? um, and, you know, and I just... So, so when I finally got over the casting decision, I was like, you know what? Ben Affleck is actually really good as a supporting actor. He's definitely been moving more towards serious stuff lately. Yep. Um, you know, and physically, he can be he can certainly be a, a Batman, you uh-huh. know, and a Bruce Wayne. So, so I definitely was like, okay, okay, fine. You know, that that I could even see how it could really be good, right? And then the preview came out and they had the scene of of you know the Waynes being murdered again and I was like this is not a Batman origin story this is Batman versus Superman you're trying to tell the story of this older Batman like we all know where he came from like this is like it's like feeling like if you had a story like where Jesus is a minor character it would be like feeling like you need to flashback to like the crucifixion like just so everybody (laughs) understood like Jesus's origin story well, that, you know. that's the end of his story, not the origin. But yes, no, I Well, zombie Jesus. Yeah, okay, I um, get what you mean. Oh, boy. Um, but wasn't there something about raising from the dead? I don't know. Gonna, I, didn't, I didn't read the whole book. But uh, the, the host and the guest do not always agree on everything, such as religious perspectives. <laughs> but we're going to move on now. Anyway, the um, point is... <laughs> but no, I, I think you're exactly... Like, to me, Spider-Man and the new Civil War movie. Yeah. We didn't see a radioactive spider bite him because yeah. we don't need to. Exactly. And apparently we're not going to in this new movie. Yeah, um, and that's just a good creative choice. You know, understanding that you've had two origin movies in the past, you know, 15 years. Like, you don't need to show the origin again. Yeah. We get it. And if people don't know, they'll be fine. And they'll look it up if they really <laughs> want to, you well, know? And, and to me, my, I, I think you're right. I, I hated that scene. The, the pearls was a nice cinematic touch, but... But the whole scene was oh, totally slow unnecessary. Slow motion, so much <laughs> slow motion. I know it was done, so, and and so many flashbacks well, to it, so yeah. unnecessary. But to me, and I think that you're right. The violence is ridiculous. Though even if you go back and look, like you know, when Michael Keaton blows up Joker's warehouse, right? We never quite see him shoot any of Joker's minions, right? But he certainly shoots a machine gun into a building full of a lot of people. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but even putting that aside, like. I, but yeah, right. I hated the killing. I hated the whole thing of branding criminals. Oh yeah, because that that's goes like, so that's, against. Like what? That goes so against everything we were talking about before about his the restorative justice. Yeah. But to me, here's the biggest problem: the world's greatest detective gets outthought and manipulated by twenty-year-old <sighs> Lex Luthor. Yeah, that that's that was, not my Batman. That was the deal breaker for me. Was that this Batman was just a sucker? Yeah. You know, and the Batman I know, the Batman that I love from the Justice League series, like, at, at its kind of, I almost, that's almost like the height of Batman to me. Yeah. You know, where, like, basically all the rest of the Justice League is like, well, shucks, I guess we should go, you know, 
uh, turn ourselves in and just see what happens. Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, I know what's going on. I'm going to fix it. Batman out. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's just, I, I don't see Lex Luthor pulling one over on Batman like like this, you know? Right. Like, why wasn't he analyzing the handwriting of the, you know, of the letters he was getting? Why wasn't he, you know, researching, like, where, like, doing all the Sherlock stuff, basically, that he's supposed to be able to do? It was just like, no, I'm going to track kryptonite from the other side of the globe because I must kill Superman, you know? And and, um, and it takes the, the thing that we love about Batman, that he is suspicious of Superman. Like, you know, yeah. you, you said yeah. how you hated the end of Man of Steel. So right. did Batman. Yeah, and, right, exactly. And it takes that story of him being suspicious of Superman, which I think is such a good and important story, and makes it all a dupe. You know, and yeah, to me, exactly. This this was, as I see it, like the biggest difference between, on some level, Batman versus Superman and the Civil War. Um, it's the same conflict. It's the yeah. how much do we trust people with their super abilities? Yeah. And I feel like in Civil War. You can come out either Team Tony or Team Cap, but there's, well, and I know you and I, I mean, are on different sides. I mean, you clearly can. But. Well, but that's the thing is that, but there's at least the argument is made that there are legitimate reasons to be worried about the Avengers not being right, um, right, right, restricted, and and it's well, per- perfectly fine to say you don't agree with those, but at least there, there's reasons given. There, there, there's something to start the fight. Yeah. Whereas. In Batman vs Superman, it's all stupid. You know, it's so clear that no good person should ever doubt Superman. It's just because Lex Luthor is manipulating them, and who falls for it more than anyone? Batman. Right. I mean, I I don't fully agree. I I agree kind of in spirit with your argument. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a number of people who actually are like, yes, Batman was totally right, and I'm like, what? Oh. But you know, but then again, I feel that about Team Tony in in Civil War. Where right. like they kind of, there kind of is a little bit of deceit going on, you know. Yeah. Um, and the government agency is all like we know some really suspect things about them, and like I feel like maybe Tony should have done that research. The thing though in in Civil War that works so well is that all the characters' motivations make total sense for those characters. Right. And in Batman Superman, that's really not established. And um, just one thing that I was gonna say with reference to the you know the Wayne murders like they could have shown Robin getting killed yeah and I feel like that would have carried much more emotional weight and sort of justified this notion of who Batman is now when Batman vs Superman starts right you know like instead it's like here's this thing that happened 33 years ago and made Batman become Batman but they didn't show like how Batman became this darker, messed up version of Batman, who, like, I can believe that character might eventually exist. Right. Like, you could create a scenario where where that was feasible, but you have to show the backstory has to be pertinent to that, not just to, like, oh, and by the way, in case you've never heard of Batman before, here's his origin story. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, and to me, that could be, like, I, I hadn't thought of this till now, but, you know... <clears throat> All the stuff that he does where he's killing people, where he's, you know, branding them when they go to jail. If the idea is that because of the death of Robin, because of being grizzled and worn out after doing this for 20 years, he has sort of lost some of those ideals. And that one of the stories we're going to tell is how his partnership with Wonder Woman and to some extent Superman helps him reclaim that. Like, right. Okay. That, that to me is... It is my Batman because you've taken my Batman on a journey and you're going to take him back. And I, I, yeah. I don't think that's my favorite story, but I'd be interested no. in hearing that story. But that's not the story Zack Snyder's telling. Right, exactly. There was there was a good story to maybe be told in there. It's not the one that was told. And maybe if you also, if you have the Joker being Joker, then you don't have Lex being the Joker. Yeah. Like, what was that about? That you know? was so just like... It, like... I don't, I, I don't like Jesse Eisenberg as as an actor for the most part. But, I do, um, <clears throat> but I just it, it his Lex was so not anything I associate with Lex Luthor. Yeah, and um, I mean I you know I'm all for trying things, but like I I don't think it worked. Yeah, and but but that also just comes down to the like the writing, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, there was the gesticulation, the way he was kind of like crazy, like like Joker, but 
just the way it was written, it was like this. Is, Lex is like he's like above yeah. a certain, you know, like. Well, I feel like on some level he wasn't even trying to be the Joker; he was trying to be Heath Ledger. Oh. He, you know, he was trying to be that sort of specifically madcap, right. off the wall. I'm showing how ridiculous everything is. Yeah, kind maybe. of idea. Yeah, he. I mean, it's it. It was just bad. As you can tell, Paul and I had a few things to say about Batman. So that was the end of part one. We'll continue the podcast in part two coming soon. For now, thanks for listening. You can keep following the Superhero Ethics blog by looking for Superhero Ethics on Facebook or on Twitter. Or you can follow Paul at PokerIsASkill.com for his poker writings, by Googling his name, Paul Christopher Hoppy, or on his personal website, ZenMadman.com. Thanks so much, and we look forward to having you back for part two.